What's up, everybody, and welcome to part four of episode 11 of VGM Generations, the Kusoge episodes. And with me, as always, is Jordan Blitzky. Hello. And coming back for his triumphant third return, <laughs> the unofficial official member of uh, VGM Generations, Norm Garrett. Hello. So Norm's filling in for Aaron again this week. Uh, Aaron is sadly out sick, has had a, had a, not a great Christmas, just sick the whole time, but. He's uh, been feeling really Kusoge. <laughs> that's, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ku is the shit part. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, sadly, uh, Aaron couldn't join us and that's, and that's why we're a little late, uh, as well. We were planning to record before, but he just had to drop out and then we delayed it and we thought maybe he would be able to join us, but sadly he's still sick. So Norm, uh, came in on a plane, what last night, this morning. Yeah. Last, last night, last night. And, uh, Drove straight to my house. No, <laughs> went home, had some sleep, and he uh, flew halfway across the world to be here and record that's, this. That's right. Yeah, he's the most dedicated member yeah. of the VGM Generations crew. But um, yeah, so he came over and graciously agreed to fill in again. So thank you again, Norm. Yeah, no problem. That's perfect. So, all right. So uh, yeah, we're just we're here to wrap up our our last three uh, Kusoge games, and uh, I'm starting off, and I I kind of teased this one last time, uh, so. A lot of the songs we've been doing this month, we've been saying like it's a uh, like it's an okay or it's kind of a game that's too hard, but the music's really good. So this one is the game is absolute trash, but the music's quite good. So <laughs> it's kind of a, everything comes down a notch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so my game is the infamous Shaq Fu. Oh, wow. <laughs> I never expected Shaq Fu Shaq to be on this. So yeah, there you go. Um <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys ever play Shaq Fu? Yeah. You have played it? Wow. And, yep. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. So this is great. This is going to be really good. Uh, I wanted to keep it a secret. I didn't want to tell anyone. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it was developed by the now defunct Delphine Software International and published by, I can't believe it, Electronic Arts. Okay. So, you know, big company, but saw that. I guess, it, I guess they just had so much sports stuff. They probably yeah. were like, it's a Shaq on the front. It'll probably sell. So, yeah. Well, and Shaq was doing everything in these yeah, days. Yeah, and like, it was 1994, so that yeah. was like probably his heyday. Oh yeah, like I remember he was like all over KFC. He was like <laughs> selling basketballs with his handprint on well, it. That was the KFC thing, right? Was it KFC? Yeah, basketball? yeah. You'd buy the basketball, so. and it would have his handprint, and then you would hold the ball and realize, yeah, he's kind of a big guy. Yeah, yeah. I had that basketball. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that commercial because we in gym class we would try and do it, but like our hands no. were too small. <laughs> yeah, no one could palm the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, as big as I ever got. I like tried like a year ago. I still can't do it. <laughs> but um, but uh, and the music is by a guy named Raphael Gasquea, I'm going to say. And I looked him up uh, just really briefly. And he's been composing music like until like just a few like this year. He's been composing for all these games, but I've never heard of any of the games. Hmm. Like it's all this like really like kind of shovelware just yeah. weird stuff and like iOS and uh, 3ds and like the only other thing that I saw in there that I even kind of recognized was he did some Marvel game and I think it was for iOS so he it was like some Avengers spinoff game or something like that so so his legacy is probably Shaq Fu is what you're saying well I think so like <laughs> I think the most infamous or famous thing he ever did was Shaq Fu so just briefly if you haven't played Shaq Fu um, 
So Shaq is doing a charity uh, basketball game in Tokyo and walks into this dojo and speaks with this martial arts martial arts master Liotsu, I want to say. And uh, then he's transported to another dimension, the second <laughs> world, uh, where he must rescue a young boy named Nezu from the evil mummy Setra. So wow. <laughs> that's the plot of the game. Um, so yeah, super weird. Like, And it's all explained in like, I think it's like three stationary, um, just like photos with text underneath yeah. in the game. So um, yeah, I had this game actually, I got this game as a kid. I'm, I'm just going to go into this now because it's the easiest and time. You, but, and then you cried when you played it. Well, I got it and then I never understood it. Like I had it and I played it, but I never understood like the plot or like why it was Shaq or like, and he was obviously like the lamest character. Like there's all these guys with like these special powers and stuff. And you're like, why am I playing as the lamest character? <laughs> so anyway, so um, Genesis was the best version. It had the most, uh, it had the most levels, the most characters. And it also had um, like a, like a fatality code. So it had some codes you can enter in that unlock these like sort of fatalities and they weren't quite as bloody as Mortal Kombat, but they were more gory than like the normal game where the guy would just kind of like collapse or whatever, right? So would they allow Shaq to get mutilated in this game? I don't think it was Shaq. I think it was all the other like characters okay. that you fought. Yeah, I, I don't think his head got like yeah. taken off. Because I had no idea that this was the thing. In, yeah, in so Shaq yeah, crew. there was some, yeah, some codes. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Were they basketball related? No, no, it's all related to like the, the enemy. So like, I think one of them was like the mummy. You like hit him in his like, bandages unravel or something uh, like that so i was hoping he'd rip off a head and go for a slam <laughs> yeah. dunk or something maybe I'll, I'll look it up while we're listening to the music and we'll come back and tell you some more um so yeah and then so how about how bad this game is so actually when this game first came out it wasn't instantly rated terribly um people the one criticism that like most people had was the sprites were really small but um but it actually once you got used to like how fast moving and small they were it wasn't too bad I always thought the sprites and the animation was really good in the game. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I always thought it was a really good looking game anyway. Yeah. But um, game trailers, so in retrospect, game trailers rated it their fourth worst in their top 10 worst fighting games. Um, game Informer placed it number two on their 10 worst fighting games or fighting games we'd like to forget. Um, and then Nintendo Power in 1997 did a 100 best games list, but they also did a 10 worst games and Shaq Fu was third. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's a bad game, but uh, but did have good music. So the the track we're going to listen to, all the tracks, and that's this is the funniest thing. All the tracks are just labeled track. It's just like track <laughs> one, track two, track three. But um, this is the just the intro uh, music. So probably track one then. Yeah, track one. <laughs> exactly. Track one, the intro music. And it's the one that kind of like sticks in my head when I hear it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Shaq Fu. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, we'll uh, have a listen and then we'll come back and tell you about fatalities and some other stuff. Some, my, some of my other memories from the game.
right, so as promised, uh, let's go into these, uh, like, fatalities. Uh, so some of the finishing moves that have been discovered include the following examples. So Set Raw, when struck with a high attack toward his head, would drop his knees as his head caught fire. The body of Set Raw would then dissolve and the wraps falling to the ground and the smoldering shoulder armor tumbling forward. Uh, Beast, if struck in a certain way, would have his skin dissolve away, <laughs> revealing a skeleton. Uh, Memphis, when struck with a mid mid-range attack, would shatter into ghost-like shards that fade away into the air, leaving his decrepit robe behind. Voodoo, when struck in a certain way, would fade into smoke, and Genesis exclusive character Arok would turn into stone and explode. So there you go. Wow, even so, had its own exclusive character. Yeah, it had a bunch of exclusive characters on the Genesis. So, so five more playable characters: Arok, Connell, Diesel, Liotsu, and Nezu. So the Genesis version is the the one to get for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you if you were in the market for Shaku for some reason, well, um, and there's almost been like a cult following towards this game in how in regard to how bad it is like there's like over the years and i don't know if this had anything to do with the angry video game nerd but it always feels like there are people out there seeking bad games and they want to find like what's the worst game i can play yeah and shack fu's always on that list and i feel like it's almost become more popular over the years because of how bad it is oh definitely yeah. if there wasn't this like following for bad games out there this game just would have been forgotten i think yeah and we were just talking about before that they just kickstarted Shaq Fu too. So yeah. <laughs> even if you didn't play the original Shaq Fu and don't want to go like find it at a thrift store somewhere for a dollar, yeah. um, uh, you can now Shaq Fu two is coming. It got kickstarted. Um, and it just, it was actually, it wasn't kickstarted. It was Indiegogo, which and is I, like the, like the, like the off brand Kickstarter. Kind yeah. Of thing. Well, and I don't know how long ago it was, but last time I checked, I thought the game had not met its goal and it wasn't going to happen. Well, that's the thing. It just, just met its goal. So its goal was 450,000 and it made 473,884,000. Mm -hmm. So just, 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 wow. and, uh, so no stretch goals. They're making the game at the yeah, bare bones. Exactly. Level. <laughs> and in part of me wonders if it was like low. And on the last day, Shaq was just like, <laughs> I'm just going to up that yeah. up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he just made it like some rear, weird number so people wouldn't be suspicious one anonymous donation for like yeah, yeah. for uh -huh. like 50,000 or something yeah <laughs> it's the kickstarter red flag where they <laughs> just make their goal yeah, yeah exactly so and it's some like weird developer i've never heard of i think they're like a mobile developer but anyway they're gonna remake shack fu or they're gonna not remake it but make a shack fu too so Jeez. yeah and it's and not it's not gonna be a fighting game though is it I thought it is it, i think it's gonna be like a pure sequel to the original or is it gonna be a platformer or something i thought it was gonna be a different kind of game but i don't okay. know i don't know well, i don't know i didn't pay attention when i saw how when i saw how low it was i was like this is never gonna happen so. yeah um so uh what else did i want to talk about oh yeah um so how i got this game is interesting so I, this was years ago now, probably like 10 years ago. I, I was talking about Shaq Fu because I was talking with one of my friends who almost all my friends I've known since elementary. And they were talking about coming over to my house and playing Shaq Fu. And they were like, that game was awful. Like, where did you get, get that game? Like, why did you have that game? And it, in the Genesis days, I don't think I bought any of my games. I'm pretty sure they were all gifts. Yeah. And, and so I went to my mom and I was like, mom, do you remember Shaq Fu? And she's like, vaguely. And I was like, why did you buy me that game? And she's like, I'm pretty sure I got it for free with either bundled in with another game or the console itself. Yeah. So that's why I had Shaq Fu. And it was funny because when I went online at the time to look it up, 
the first thing I came across was there is a website and it was like a guy who's dedicated to destroying every single copy of Shaq Fu. So you could like send it to him. That's horrible. And he had like a giant like grave site of Shaq Fu's. Wow. <laughs> Trying to do the ET thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> bury it out in the desert. Oh, so so I'm, um, I'm all about video game preservation. Even the bad games deserve to, yeah. to live another day. Yeah, but, but this guy funny. was just hated it so much. Oh. I don't know. It just scarred him as a child, I guess. <laughs> and he wanted he wanted every copy taken out. But uh yeah, that's all I have to say about Shaq Food. You guys have any other memories, Norm? You said you'd played it, so Yeah, no, I, I didn't play it for long. Okay. Probably. I, it was a rental and uh did you play it on Genesis or SNES? SNES. SNES, yeah. okay. So yeah. I never had a Genesis, but... Uh, okay. Yeah. And for me, for me, <laughs> I avoided any game that was tied into sports except for NBA Jam. That was the only... Well, that's because well, that game was amazing. A couple. Blades of Steel. But I mean, like, uh, something like Shaq Fu, if that crossed my path, I probably would have ignored it. And I didn't play it until I was older and realized how bad it was. And, and going back to that cult following, people talking about how bad it was. Yeah. That's when I played it. And, yeah. I, and I didn't play it for more than like 20 minutes. I was like, okay, this is this is enough. Well, it's one of those things you just like when you hear about it, you just have to play it to see, is it as bad as everybody says it is? And then you're like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, terrible. So yeah, after, I think after Street Fighter 2 took off and Mortal Kombat, you oh, had yeah. all these... Yeah, everyone trying to tap into the fighting game. I think yeah, just copycats, right? Yeah, the sixteen bit era was like notorious for having like a thousand fighting games because it was exactly that. Those two, uh, they sort of like opened up the genre for everyone else, and then yeah. you got all these weird fighting games like Primal Rage and Clay Fighter and all this oh, stuff. Primal and Rage was great though. I, oh, no, I love both those games, <laughs> yeah. but I'm saying it opened the door to all these really obscure titles that people don't talk about anymore. Well, it became a big genre because of like. There was the whole war, like at least with Mortal Kombat between like SNES and Genesis and Blood or Grey Goop or yeah. whatever, right? And it just became this, it became this thing that the two companies kind of like tent pulled on. And so. Well, I almost feel like in the same way that Super Nintendo and Sega battled in the 16-bit era, we had Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat in like, <laughs> which is the better fighting game because they were both the kings at the time. Yeah. You had one that was like more of a, uh, a pure fighting game and another one that was like, we have all the fun gore and all the fatalities. So exactly, I love that time. It was a good time <laughs> to grow up in the arcades. <laughs> For sure. All right. Well, Jordan, you want to go next? All right. Well, if you've been listening all month to our bad games, you know, I've been uh, going exclusively uh, with games by one composer by the name of Tim Follin and some games by his brother Jeff as well. Uh, I've been calling him the best composer you've never heard of. So, you know, maybe you've heard of him, but he's he's more so known for uh, being tied in with games that were either canceled or were notoriously bad or, you know, stuck in development hell. And I've been saying that all month, but it's true. These games, you've, you've either never heard of them or you remember them for the music and how bad they were. So digging into the last Folin track this month, uh, with the same company he's been with for most of his career, Software Creations, in 1991, a little title called Treasure Master. Now, I played this game as a kid, didn't like it, but I didn't hate it as much as I do now because I went back <laughs> and I played it again for this episode because I was actually digging through a couple different games because again, he's got a huge library of great, great soundtracks for horrible games to play. A lot of them on Nintendo. And um, there was one detail about this game that made it stand out from the rest. And I'm going to talk about that later, but um, it's so Treasure Master is it's a subpar platformer on Nintendo. Uh, you play as a rad 90s kid named Scooter and you collect treasure. You travel through space and time and you collect all these really bizarre items 
and you solve very cryptic puzzles to like beat the levels. So for example, the first level is like, um, you're walking around and I should mention his, he, this game has some of the worst graphics, but best animation, if this makes any sense. Cause the, cause, so, it doesn't. <laughs> so the kid looks goofy as hack, like horrible animation or sorry, horrible graphics, but he walks like Vince McMahon strutting down to the ring. <laughs> He's got this like epic strut and that's it's awesome. his normal walk cycle. There's no run. So that's his walk cycle. And when he jumps, I guess you could say he looks like Shaq Fu. He looks like uh, Michael Jordan going for a slam dunk because he brings his one arm back over his head. And he's got this like epic like pose as he flies through the air. That's so and It's just funny. like the goofiest animation ever. But anyways, so like you got these really cryptic things. Like it feels like um, I was thinking about it and it reminded me of really poorly designed Mario Maker levels. So, you oh, know, when okay, you, where like, you just like jump and then you like hit an invisible block and straight down. Yeah, like things that just feel unfair and yeah. that shouldn't be like, it doesn't um, introduce you to elements and create a good level. It's more like you're thrown in the fire and you have to learn how to swim, like as you're drowning, that sort of thing. So it's like, it's really poorly done. Um, but so, so you have something like you have, a, you, you find a bomb and then you have to blow up a very specific spot. And then inside is like a remote control and you use this remote control in a very specific spot. And then it like activates this <laughs> magnet that pulls this submarine out of water in one spot and drops it into a very different spot of water where there's sharks swimming around. And then you have to swim through the sharks and go into the submarine because, you know, it wouldn't make sense for the submarine to land on the surface. Yeah, and then exactly. you go into it. <laughs> you have to swim down to the bottom of the ocean to get in the submarine through shark infested water. And you have to figure all of this out on your own when there's no context to any of it. Like all trial and error. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh God, that sounds awful. Is that like a real, like, is that really the scenario or that's, did you just make that up? That's level one. <laughs> <laughs> and that, sorry, that's part one of, of level, level one, one. because oh once God. you get through the sharks, um, the screen actually changes and it feels like you're in level two, but it's actually the second part of the first level. Now to make it worse, um, like I play, like I said, I played this game as a kid growing up. Um, I tried playing it on my Nintendo. I couldn't even get partway through the first level. I ended up having to go on my emulator and play with save states. And I still couldn't even beat the game with save states, with cheating. I could only get as far as level three and the game is just brutally hard. That's ridiculous. So horrible graphics, bad, bad controls. Um, just so many bad things. Um, avoid it. Like don't play this game. <laughs> I would even say like the music's really, really good. Just go listen to the music, but don't play the game for the music. Like, like I have in the past. So just briefly, we'll talk about the music and then we'll jump into the song. So um, like typical Fallen games, the music outshines the gameplay. Um, never listen to, um, so, so one of the things that Tim has talked about is he, he never listened to um, other video game music or his own music because um, he always feared that he might copy somebody yeah. just subliminally. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. you get a tune in your head and he never wanted to like have that happen. So. Um, he never listened to his music. He never listened to other video game music. So he didn't know what other people were doing, which is kind of interesting because his music always feels like it stands apart from a lot of other composers. Um, a lot of that has to do with the sound chip that he was using as well. But um, one of the things that he did do, he was a big fan of, as I mentioned in other, in the previous episode, he's a big fan of prog rock um, bands like Pink Floyd, Rush, The Doors. Um, so a lot all of my favorites, <laughs> all of those. Yeah, you can hear those influences in a lot of his music. So 
Um, one game that I thought I might end up talking about this month, which I didn't, was a game called Pictionary. Yeah. I think we did talk yeah, about we it did. briefly. We talked about it, yeah. I think, in two of the episodes. And I, and I yeah. mentioned to you off... off um, recording off recording off yeah. camera um <laughs> off mic <laughs> off the mic that uh that he he did a song that was a blatant ripoff of queen's another one bites the dust yeah and he used that in pictionary yeah um so here we have going back to the game on topic treasure master well the title theme is a blatant ripoff of another song um and again, the, the reason for him ripping off the songs was just because he wanted to, he was a big fan of the songs and he wanted to see if he could, if he could Feel replicate like an, it. Yeah. An 8-bit or 16-bit rendition. Exactly. And I think we've mentioned in the past, like who knows, this was sort of the wild west. Like people weren't getting flagged for copywriting in these days and you're doing chip tunes. So you could almost consider it like not officially music back in those days. Yeah, whereas, they probably wouldn't have actually. So, so you had these people, you know, not getting getting the rights to these songs. So one song that Tim had always wanted to cover was the theme song to Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> so that's what the theme so that's song what we're gonna listen to? to Treasure Master is. <laughs> so without further ado, let's listen to the theme song to Starsky and Hutch, also Treasure Master from Nintendo. Let's go.
just want to add one thing. Um, now that we've heard his version of Starsky and Hutch, um, believe it or not, there was a Starsky and Hutch video game that came out in the early 2000s. Oh, okay. He did the soundtrack. Did he? So <laughs> he got to remake his Treasure Master theme song because it's Starsky For what and Hutch. console? PS2 and GameCube. Okay, nice. And maybe original Xbox, I, I don't recall, but those two for sure. And he did his own rendition of this theme again, but with more, like, obviously by that era, he was using modern instrumentation. So yeah, it's really cool. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's really cool. So um, the last like big detail I want to get into. Um, so I said there was something about this game that made it stand out from the rest of my like selection process. And so when I fired up the game, something I didn't notice um, in all my years of playing this, because usually you sort of, when you load up the game, you just keep hitting start. You want to get into the game, right? Yeah. Well, something I never noticed until a few weeks ago. On the main title screen, there's some text that says all treasures must be claimed by April 12th, 1992. And then there's a one number and see instruction booklet for more contest details. Oh, so, so there was does some that, does this real any treasure? Bells? No, no. Okay. I just, so I had no idea. And I was sitting there playing it and my wife walked in the room and I'm just like, what does this mean? Like trying to get her like a second opinion, somebody that doesn't know anything about this. And we we're both looking at it like this must be a real contest. Yeah, it must have been. Let's yeah. get on the Google and find out. So <laughs> I looked into it and this might be common knowledge for anyone that knows the game, but not for me. I had no idea because honestly, like this wasn't a game that I really cared too much about, but um, it was a game that was built in conjunction with MTV and um, it was designed with having this competition in mind uh, between home players and they would race against each other in a competition to win big prizes. So some of the prizes were um, a fantasy concert, a fantasy sports event. <laughs> These are the words of, <laughs> yeah, you of know, MTV. Yeah, yeah. So, and a fantasy game room. And oh, then, I like that one. and those are, those are the top prizes. So I, I don't know if that's like the top prize, the winner gets to pick one of the three. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, runner up prizes of $10,000 in cash. Um, and up to 250 runner ups could win a super Nintendo. Oh, wow. So pretty cool. Um, so the backstory on this contest. Yeah. Um, it, so the game came out in 91. Like I already said, the contest came out in April of 92. So this gave people four months if they bought it when it first came out to practice the game. Okay. What happened was on a very specific like scheduled time on MTV, they announced this code. And what you would do is you would input this code into your copy of Treasure Master at home, as well as your individual UPC code from the game. Those two codes combined would generate sort of like an access code that comes in later on in the story, but that gives you access to a hidden bonus last level in the game. So those four months you've been practicing, you're finally, you finally unlock the real last level of the game that nobody else is getting to play until this one very specific day and they have 12 hours to beat the game, which is impossible to play. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They designed this contest and they were like, we're going to give away a Learjet, but no one will ever beat <laughs> no the one, game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds so, like a, we're going to give away a Bentley. Like, oh, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> like any, all your dreams come true, but yeah, but you, you no, no one can actually beat it. Yeah. So super bizarre. Um, so I guess. So what happens is you beat the game, including the new bonus last level. And then with those two previously mentioned codes that you've input, yeah. your, your code and their code, it generates a third code, which proves you've officially beat the game. Oh, okay. Then you call the 1-900 number listed. Yeah, give them that give code. Give them that code. 
And if you can do that within 12 hours, you win one of the prizes. If you're fast enough, you get wow. the grand prize. And if you're not, then you get like, like a Super Nintendo. The, yeah. Did, so did they list like, did people do it? So this is where, <laughs> unfortunately, the story gets a little muddy, less interesting because okay. I could not find any information on the grand prize winner. So many people online are asking the same question yeah. and nobody can find out any information on a grand prize winner. If anyone did If it. anyone won the grand prize. Okay. But there was one person that came through on Reddit that um, they sort of posted like an interview style that they won a Super Nintendo. So the fact that they won a runner up prize means somebody would have had to have won a better prize than yeah. them. Because you don't hand out just runner up prizes. Without, well, unless you're unless, fraudulent. <laughs> exactly. Because you don't know. Like this was tied in through MTV. So you think it would be easier to track. But this yeah. was like a very obscure game at the time. We so. need to like find someone who like worked at MTV in the 90s and like knew of this contest or something and be like, who won the prize? <laughs> yeah, it was probably the boss's kid or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nobody he won all th top three. Yeah, yeah all the it. fantasy prizes. <laughs> you got the game room, the concert and the trip and the tr uh, so concert sports event. Oh, sports event and a game room. Yeah. So in case you were wondering, you could not use Game Genie. There was oh, okay. there was um, something because this came out after Game Genie. Right. There was something programmed into the game that would cause it to crash if you use Game Genie. So oh, okay. no cheating, which is nice. Yeah. So people actually like and I guess I guess like a really talented like hacker like if you will, like a hardware hacker at the time probably could have, I'm sure that the, like just knowing a little bit about like the hardware from this era, I'm sure that the, the um, mechanism that caused the game to crash was a hardware, not a software yeah. thing. So I'm sure that like in that four months, if you knew about well, it and you were like really good with hardware, you may have been able to like, you know, work your way around it. Well, and that's the thing. I'm glad you brought up the whole hacking thing because um, there's actually been a hacking community that's tried to do that. Oh, really? Since. And so was anyone and of course of course this is all tied through reddit because yeah. reddit's the greatest place to bring people together for, <laughs> for hacking, weird shit like hacking this. weird shit like yeah. this so um so back in er the earlier days of reddit um there was a subreddit dedicated to this game and um hacking the code to try and find out about that game genie aspect yeah they were able to find in fact actually a game genie code that, oh, that would worked. uncrash the game oh but I don't know necessarily if they were able to add additional codes beyond yeah, that. Yeah, but like anyways, that was and stuff. one aspect. The main thing they were trying to hack was they were trying to see if they could get that bonus level playable for somebody that didn't have all of those codes that MTV provided right. or the UPC codes from the game because right. they're all using the same ROMs, right? So they were, but not without the help of the programmer of the game. They actually oh, really? reached out to him because <laughs> it was about a year because you can see how long these subreddits have been going and it yeah, took them yeah, about yeah. a year and they've just reached out to the programmer who I have mentioned before uh, in a previous episode, um, Stephen Ruddy, the guy that developed the sound chip for uh, software creations. Yep. He programmed a lot of the games and he ended up being the sole compo uh, uh, programmer for this game. Oh, okay. They reached out to him and... Um, they they asked his advice and he pretty much broke it down he, with code examples and said, this was how I designed the code. So in theory, do this and you can unlock that hidden level on your own home copy of the game. Oh, wow. Um, so he did that. And then he ended with a really fascinating like side note. He's like, now that you know that, heads up, there's a second hidden level that nobody's ever heard of. So 
like nobody even knew that there was a, another level buried <laughs> in the game. And he just like dropped the bomb on them and said, there's another level. Try and, and find it. And did he say how to get to that one too? Nope, or no, nope. oh. <laughs> he just left, left it like, have fun, go play, you know? But he was also, of course, he was just blown away that there were people that were actually trying to do interested it. Yeah. in this game after all these years. So they did sort of find that level, but they couldn't confirm if they found the real version of it because it was super glitchy. Mm. It was either that they never finished the level or because they weren't accessing it properly that maybe it didn't load properly. So that's a whole other rabbit hole that we've sort of dove into, but like, geez, like what the heck? Like, (laughs) (laughs) no kidding. Yeah. What a great story though. So super bizarre, but, uh, that's, that's pretty much the whole treasure master story. Like, there you go. Sort of blew my mind this month, like digging in and researching it. So, so we, we know where their budget went and why it's such a bad game. Oh yeah. <laughs> they blew it on. Yeah. All on the contest madness. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know who like supplied all the prizes. If that was MTV, because yeah, I don't imagine the software creation, they didn't have money no. for something like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> so it must've been MTV, but um, yeah, that, that's about all I want to say. Oh, just real quick, because I'm sort of wrapping up what I was calling full in month. Yeah. Um, he retired in 2005. I just want to quickly mention that he was happy to retire because he said making video game music was making him ill, literally. So in 2005, he retired and was thrilled to leave the video game industry behind making some of the best music. Um, he came back in 2015. So he retired from video games for about 10 years, but he came back in a different role. So as of two years ago, three, two Two, two years years ago ago, now, yeah, yeah, (laughs) about, um, he got back into video games, but more in a directorial role. He started creating his own games. Oh, wow. So there's one on, on steam right now called contradiction spot the liar. And it's um, an FMV murder mystery detective game. So something like throwback (laughs) to like the Sega CDs, but with like modern technology and video. So that's cool. That's what he's been up to. So yeah. Man, that's a good wrap up for full in month. It's come full in circle. There you go. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. wah, wah. <laughs> and I mean, before you featured that this month, I hadn't really been aware of them and I'm pretty impressed with his music. It's, yeah, it's there's good stuff. There's yeah. like and, and everything I've played has sort of been like the generic title theme because they're all good. But like if you've heard anything that sounds interesting, like dig into like the full soundtracks of some of these uh some of these albums like there's i would say most of his library is really good him and his brother so that yeah. solstice tune was banging well like <laughs> i couldn't believe like three minute long nintendo song that yeah. doesn't loop and it's just like wow this game's gonna be amazing oh this game sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're not the only one who's bought a game because of who composed it so. there you go well, oh, there what, you go. What, what what have you bought for the music oh, shoot i can't remember what it was <laughs> called it was like a really simple game that was released on 3ds um and it was the same guy who composed music for the um, the Ogre Battle games, Tactics Ogre. Yeah. Can't remember his name right now, but big fan of his stuff. So well, music, music was great. Yeah, music drives a game, right? Like I, yeah. I have no shame in buying a game simply for the music. Yeah. Know? And I've actually started doing that on Steam is like one of the tags I start going for now is like great soundtrack. And I'll like go through games. Like I'm like, I'm not going to necessarily buy it, but I'll like search for games based on great soundtracks and yeah. then look for a game That's that, cool, actually. that appears That's a good to way. be good. Yeah. 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 That's a good way to search for games. What, the, what this podcast is doing to me. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> That's just uh, something you've been doing recently. Yeah. But anyway, Norm, uh, what's your pick, bud? All right. Uh, so I chose Ultima 9 Ascension. Now, Ultima 9, there's obviously 
eight games that preceded this game. So I'll talk a bit about Ultima for those who don't know about it. So it's a pretty long-running series on the uh, mainly for PC, but it came out for there were lots of ports. There were a couple NES ports of some of the games. Um, so Ultima is this. It's kind of known as one of the longest-running open-world RPG games. It set a lot of interesting standards in the RPG, kind of the Western RPG uh, genre. And so big thing about the Ultima games is you can kind of do whatever you want in that world. Like Okay, so like totally know, open world. Yeah, like you can bake bread. You can spend, <laughs> you, you can spend two days Ooh. just baking bread and giving it to people or eating it or whatever. Or you can, okay. yeah, you know, you can go hunting. Or you can go mining. And if that's all you want to do, that's all you have to so do. So there's nothing forcing you to progress. If you just want to bake bread. Yeah. Can, yeah, that's exactly. Cool. Um, but anyway, so Ultima was, it was kind of dreamed up by this guy, Richard Garriott. Um, very eccentric fellow. Um, he designed the Ultima world. So in the Ultima world, he's actually a, a character in the Ultima world. He's like oh, really? Lord you can- British, kind of <laughs> king of Britannia. Okay. Um, and so there's lots of NPCs, companions that, that are in every game and they're all based on real world people he, he knows. So, okay. So it's just kind of a game designed around his life, sort of kind of, okay. kind of both ways. Um, so <laughs> he's designed the game based on people from his life, kind of entering this fantasy dimension. Oh, okay. And in Ultima games, you play the avatar who's this person from earth who stumbled upon a henge with a moon gate and transported you to this world of Britannia uh, where Lord British is the rule ruler who actually is also from earth. So you, oh, okay. you two are the only ones from earth. Oh, neat. oh I see. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, this is his life's work. He's poured his life into this Ultima series. Um, and a lot of the games are really well regarded by, um, you know, RPG uh, players. Um, but Ultima 9 was intended to be the last in the, the core games. And it was the last in the core games. Um, but unfortunately, it kind of flopped um, oh, okay. for a couple reasons. So Ultima 9 came out in 1999. Um, and it made the leap from so Ultima up to Ultima 8. They were all isometric games. Yeah, isometric style RPG. You explored the world, did your stuff, baked your bread, um, <laughs> hunted your meat. Ultima, Ultima Nine was um, uh, third person 3D. Oh, okay, so, so totally, yeah, and, and it's the only one. Yes. Oh, okay. So, and um, are they all connected through the same storyline, like uh, chronologically all connected? Yeah, they are, and okay. and that's one of the reasons Nine wasn't great, is because They'd they'd weaved this incredible tapestry storyline, built this huge history, and then they wanted to make Ultima Nine accessible. And did they know that this was going to be the final before they yes. released it? So how do you make eight games over all these <laughs> decades and just say, "Okay, we're about to close the the chapter on this book. Let's make it totally different." Like, how do you not want it to be? The same, the yeah. same, you know. Like I think Richard Garriott had a plan. He had a story written from the beginning to the end. But yeah. for some reason, for design de- decisions, maybe he didn't have as much pull for that last game. They mm. changed it on him. Who published it? Uh, Origin. Oh, okay. Now owned by EA. EA. And yeah. They, 
they use the name for their uh, for their service their digital which, service oh, I now. Hate. Which, <laughs> so <laughs> I hate it because it used to be Origin, which I was a Origin big fan Games. Of. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So that's what happened to the Origin name. Um, they're still probably right it. after this game, EA or EA bought them like just before, and then they ruined this game and yeah. then made a shitty service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their slogan used to be Origin. We create worlds, but yeah, yeah. They don't do that anymore, unfortunately. Nope. <laughs> oh. So anyway, they kind of they kind of pulled this switcheroo with a story to make it more accessible, I guess. And one of the things that, that really bothered people is um, your your avatar character, who was supposed to be this this long running character, kind of was a bit of a a dope. Like he didn't <laughs> he didn't know things from the other games, like. I think one of the most famous is you talk to this guy. He says something about paladins and Avatar says, what's a paladin? <laughs> when you've been, it would be like Luke Skywalker asking, what's a Jedi? <laughs> like in a new Star after, Wars. Yeah, after exactly. Nine movies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Um, <laughs> That's <wow>. awesome. <laughs> On to the music. Um, and I'm going to talk a bit more about the music because it's pretty interesting how this track works its way into the series. It's called Stones. Um for Ultima 9, it was arranged by George Oldzier, I think it's pronounced. And he was actually, he's a pretty famous composer. He did the Wing Commander games, uh, a couple of the Wing Commander games, and I think a, a few movies like Sin City oh. did the the, wow. the soundtrack too. And I think one of the Kill Bill movies oh, so as well. He, so he's definitely of note. Yeah, so the, the version in this game, I felt, since, you know, this highly regarded composer took it. He kind of captured the essence of what I think this track is supposed to be. It wasn't in other, it wasn't in other Ultima games as well. Yeah. But, um, so he rearranged it. Yeah, he arranged it. And I'll talk about the original composers in a sec, but, uh, this is, uh, stones from Ultima nine Ascension. Thank you. 
So the interesting thing about this track is it it exists in the game world and the characters are aware that it exists. Oh, like they can listen to it. They're listening to this? Sort of. So in one of the Ultimas, one of the quests is you have to learn how to play the harpsichord and then you have to play this song in game. Oh, that's cool. The song, so I mentioned, you know, what's a paladin? There's, uh, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a couple companions you got based on real life, real life characters. Um, and one of them was a bard. Oh, okay. Um, and the guy in real life whose in-game counterpart is the bard is the guy who composed this song. Oh, because everybody that is in the game is based off somebody he knows. Right. So the guy that made this song is the bard in the game. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> That's it, cool. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And there's actually lyrics written by, I. Th- so, so the bard's name in real life is David R. Watson. In the game, the bard's name is YOLO. <laughs> really? I O L O and oh, okay. YOLO didn't mean the same thing. I was going to say, then. this is probably pre <laughs> the YOLO generation. Yeah. And then I believe it's his wife wrote the lyrics, um, who's has an in-game character as well. So that's cool. Yeah, it, it's just it ties in really strangely with the series in a unique way. Has has anybody ever come forward and said that this character doesn't represent me the way that it should in his life? I don't think so. So, the, like I said, Richard Garriott was is quite an eccentric fellow. Like yeah. he's been to space. That was one of the things. What? So he paid to go to space. Like, oh, he's like he's one of those like, well, I guess he's rich because of the series. So he can, he yeah. must be really rich though. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's a pretty successful entrepreneur. He was like on Martha Stewart showing off all these medieval automata. Oh, <laughs> wow. Like, weird, weird guy, but uh, pretty cool. <laughs> Does he have like a biography or anything like a book? Cause he sounds super interesting. I don't know, but I would read one. Yeah. 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 Might, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anybody that makes video games and goes to space in real life. Yeah. <laughs> and goes and goes and talks to Martha Stewart. That's, that's a man you want to read about. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just to finish answering your question, um, he, one of the things he does is he does the SCA society for creative anachronism. I think that's what it stands for. Anyway, okay. that's where you, you know, you're, you're a knight and your friend's a bard and, I don't know if you've ever seen the lightning bolt video. No. So, oh, okay. Never no. Anyway, LARPing kind of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of thing. A bit more serious. But all, right. all, all the people that he's put in the games are based on their SCA counterparts. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no. they wouldn't mind at all because no. he's just recreating something they've kind of already created for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be oh, a okay. huge honor, I'm sure. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's really cool. Anything else about uh, the game or the music? Oh, I, yeah. Actually, one little. In funny thing. Um, so I think in Ultima 3, one of the things about Lord British, Richard Garriott's char- character in game, is he wanted to be invincible. He didn't want anyone to be able to kill him. Oh, okay. Um, and they kind of took steps in the code to make sure that wouldn't happen. But in Ultima 3, as gamers do, people eventually figured out a way to get him assassinated. So I think you can you attack him so he pursues you and then you run out to the docks and you get on one of the ships and you can fire one of the cannons at him and I guess they didn't plan for that contingency so you oh. slay Lord British and he, I guess he was pretty annoyed at that. But And then every Ultima game after that, they kind of put in little Easter eggs one specific way that you can assassinate Lord British. Um, so if you go fight him like head to head, you'll never win. Never win. And you have I, to assume that there's a, a secret way to do it. Yeah, and I remember that was that was just what you did because... 
he would always try because <laughs> you could do anything in yeah. Ultima, right? So yeah. he would always try and attack Lord British and he would always poison his bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bake him some bread with Did some poison in it. What's that? Did you read that? No, is that a, is that a way? <laughs> yeah, so in Ultima, <laughs> in Ultima 9, That's so awesome. the, the way to kill him is you have to bake bread with oh, wow. poison in it. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and then go switch the bread on his table in his chambers for the poison, the poison bread. bread. And then eventually throughout the game cycle, if you leave it long enough, he'll ingest the poison bread and die. Wow. Oh my God. I can't <laughs> believe you guessed that. That's hilarious. Oh, that's fantastic. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So that's, uh, I'm, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have anything to put in for Ultima. I've never no, played like one. I, I've heard of the series, but it wasn't until, um, I saw that you were going to be talking about it that I sort of dug into what the game and series was about. And when I saw you were talking about Ultima nine, I, uh, I looked into Ultima 9. I'm like, I should at least see what the game looks like. And on all the videos I saw were people talking about how horrible the game was. Yeah. Uh, compared to the rest, because the series is supposed to be fantastic. So Yeah, and, and I think because, you know, with the core audience who'd been playing it forever, they expected certain a certain standard, and then they abandoned a lot of that stuff to make it accessible. Yeah. But they also made that techn- technological jump to 3D, which made it pretty unplayable. Well, then it was probably in the generation when everything was almost expected to make that leap. Yeah, exactly. So it was an unfortunate time. And so clearly, yeah, like it almost wouldn't have been uh, like, like I think you said earlier, somebody almost maybe forcing his hand to do things. It it could have been something like that. I didn't look too deep into the whys, but yeah. Do you you think that they'll ever do an Ultima 10 and like an apology game? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think so. Kickstart it. But who knows? They did recently kickstart. I think Richard Garriott kickstarted a Lords of Ultima or something game, which okay. is kind of a, I think it was a mobile game. And so he's got money to fly to space, but he's not got to, to go not to, to Kickstarter. Not to, uh, well, yeah, I think I think EA probably owns a lot of the oh yeah licenses now. now. Yeah, so for sure. Tough. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that is it for uh, for this month and uh, this year of games. Yeah. Uh, this actually marks our uh, our kind of our one year anniversary when this, when this episode will hit. And um, yeah, we just wanted to thank anyone who's listening right now. Thank you so much. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you have been, thank you for entering the contest online, hitting that retweet button. Um, And uh, yeah, just a big thank you to everyone. Um, I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Yeah, no, I like, I wanted to say that um, doing this podcast has been fun for me because it's um, gotten me into some really interesting, strange, different games. Like, it's almost like you doing a little bit of homework to make this podcast happen. And it's been fun because I've sort of become more cultured in, in the gaming world, learning more games, and it's been fun. So, yeah, I've definitely learned more about like game, like weird game development things yeah. and like, and, and just like how, like, especially when you go back in time, when you're like, how did this game, like, how did it review or whatever, or what weird thing happened during the development? Like you yeah. finding that, like just last week you were talking about finding that weird vi- video that like almost got in the house fire oh, yeah, of, yeah. <laughs> of the development of the game and stuff like that, like all that cool stuff. So yeah, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. I guess the other thank you is to Norm again, uh, just for filling in for us, uh, for the, for the times you come in as a guest and the kinds you've come in as a fill in, uh, Phil and member of the podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you. I, I have a great time. So thank you. That's great. That's great. Maybe one day I'll just buy a fourth mic and we'll just make Norma a permanent there member. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. To one year. To one year. Yeah. So thanks so much. Um, and I guess we, uh, we're going to ask Norm what he's been playing. Sure. 
Um, I haven't. It's Christmas, so yeah, we've I, all been we've all probably been slacking a bit. Yeah. But yeah, the last week I haven't really played anything because I've been visiting with family. But uh, before that, I was and I'm still playing through uh, a couple 3DS games. Box Box Boy. I don't oh, okay. know if you guys have played Box Boy or Box Box Boy, but they're just <laughs> they're really simple platformers, platformers puzzle yeah. games by Nintendo, and I I actually quite like them. The the puzzles are. Pretty simple, but it, it's got some unique mechanics, and I enjoy kind of playing a level or two of those before bed. And also a bit heavier, uh, Ocarina of Time 3D, nice. which I hadn't had a chance to play yet. So oh, I finally cool. picked that up. Really well done. Um, surprised. It's been a while since I played Ocarina of Time, so I was pretty impressed at uh, how well they upgraded it for 3DS. Yeah. Yeah, when I got my 3DS, I kind of went on a binge of like buying Zelda games. So yeah. I have like Majora's Mask, <laughs> Ocarina of Time. Uh, three swords, three swords, <laughs> um, and uh, link between worlds. That I don't have that one no? yet. That's okay. not one I've yet picked up. But um, but I haven't played any of them yet. I actually I started playing um I started playing Majora's Mask, but then kind of dropped off and played other things. So I do have to get back to those. But yeah, the remakes are unbelievable. And the um the one thing everybody talks about is how good the aiming is. Because like it was so janky before, but now you can just use the uh, right. the accelerometer to aim and stuff, and it's fantastic. So yeah, they did a great job. I love how uh, how they've updated it without it feeling too modernized. Like, yeah, you exactly. Still feel like it's the original game. And for those that haven't played um, either Ocarina or Majora's Mask since uh, being a kid or whenever you played it, um, it looks the way you remember it. Exactly. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Not, yeah. the, not the way it actually is, but the way you remember it. So yeah. it's nice. The way I remember it as a kid. So. Yeah. They like they perfectly captured that. I don't yeah. know how they did it, but they just like got a bunch of people in a room. And they're like, "This is Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time," and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." And then they like flipped it, and they're like, "Oh god, <laughs> my eyes!" Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, so yeah, we'll just roll straight into the contest. So there's not much we can add there because it's uh, 3DS games, but um, we still have our we still have four games. Um, so we have uh, Laura Croft Go, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, with the little asterisk beside it that says on sale. So if <laughs> if uh, if you if you're quick and you and you catch it for the next episode, um, and retweet us in time, we can uh, we'll get you that one on sale. I, I haven't even checked what the price is, but it's like thirty five, thirty five right now. Well, sorry, we're thirty five Canadian, thirty five so Canadian, probably even less, like twenty American or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Lethal League, which I talked about last time, and La Mulana, which uh, Jordan talked about. So um, yeah, that's the contest. Um, and uh, for that contest, it's always the same. Just hop on Twitter, hit the retweet button for any one of the three tweets that go out um, about the episode. So we have the one for iTunes, the one for SoundCloud, the one for Google Play. Uh, and for a bonus entry, just leave a quick review or comment on uh, on iTunes or SoundCloud. And uh, you can always reach us at VGM Generations on Twitter or at the email address VGMGenerations at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we always like to joke that we have like four listeners or five listeners, but uh, I know there's more of you out there. I can just tell from the numbers of people listening, but, and uh, so thank you so much. Um, feel free to reach out with any comments, any ideas, anything you'd like to us to improve in year two, because we're going to, we're rolling into year two. So anything you'd like to see added, changed. Uh, I have some ideas. I think I'm going to start implementing in the new year. I have a, a couple of ideas for little stuff we could add to the That's podcast. Cool. I but, like the uh, idea, like suggestions for episodes, you know, anything. Yeah, like absolutely. That. Suggestions for episodes would be great. Music we should be listening to. Yep. Anything, anything like that. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, clearly we're, we're, we have subjects every month and you're probably listening being like, I hope they talk about this one game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we've just hit it every time. <laughs> or, yeah. Maybe we're that good. Maybe we're not. Let us know. Like when we're, when we're, um, 
you know, putting out these episodes like, hey, you should have talked about this one. This is a great game. Listen to it. So. For sure. For sure. But yeah. So uh, thanks so much to our four listeners and more. <laughs> and, <laughs> thanks, uh, mom. Thanks, mom. That's right. And we will catch you in the new year.